and welcome to this week's episode of the Full Course Show Jumping Podcast. I'm Will Fletcher, and as always, I'm joined by Sam Gerard May. And this week, we've got something slightly different from previous episodes. Of course, the top sport is back up and running, which is great news. So we thought we'd give you a bit of an update from the five-star show in Saint-Tropez and some other exciting things in the show jumping world. Will, it was amazing, wasn't it, to see that first five-star show return? Oh, definitely, definitely. The, the first five-star show is such a big thing and because it just drew all of the top names there. And I, I don't know about you, but it was it was great to watch. I managed to catch quite a bit of the first round and I was snuck in from my yard duties to watch the jump off. But it, it definitely didn't disappoint. And um, if there's what do you want to pick out first out of the um, was there any combinations that caught your eye? Combinations that caught my eye. Let's start with British riders that went well. I think Holly Smith has been on very good form before lockdown and she was second on Friday in that big jump off class with Denver. That for me, Will, is a really interesting horse because it came from an eventing background. Mm. Um, and obviously you spent some time in Villamora and that's where for me I really saw that horse sort of build up. Yeah, definitely. That horse is, she's done really, really well with it and it's come on. And I did, I did uh, I like to look at different stats of different horses and it has incredible, I think it jumps about 65% clears, which is phenomenal. And yeah, to take second in the big class there was, was really good. And it's, it's great to have a horse that is up there with Heart's Destiny for her. But I have to say it was a bit disappointing after how well it jumped on Friday to then have a bad round in the Grand Prix where I really fancied her to go well. But uh, hopefully, you know, she bounces back from that, and uh, she the next time there's a five star show, I think in Valence, she'll um, you know go better and bring that good form into the Grand Prix. Definitely, and actually, whilst we're on the topic of Grand Prix, I watched a vast majority of it on Sunday, and it was amazing. But the thing that really got me about this Grand Prix is the time allowed in that mm. first round was pretty tight. I don't know what you thought, but there were quite a few sort of just getting one or two time faults. Yeah, oh, definitely. It was it was such a tight time allowed. And watching it, I watched the first few go and I watched, I don't know, 10, 12. And I thought, this this course is unjumpable. I was like, this is such a tight time allowed. Everyone's knocking fences down. And then we ended up with nine clears when all of the, the big names go at the, go at the end. I couldn't believe it. It's just so, you know, how modern show jumping works is they so quick even in the first round which would be quicker than probably i'd go in a jump off really but um yeah but one that uh got a, a time fault that jumped incredible was one of yannicka springer's king edward i've actually never seen that horse jump before till i saw then it's it's a 10 year old breeding literally don't know anything about it um, and it just jumped phenomenal and was just just less than half a second over the time allowed. And God, that horse it looked unbelievable. Absolutely. In fact, my that I don't know if you saw, but when it jumped that last, it was a mm. really wide oxer and she pushed mm. it and it absolutely sailed through. Yeah. It was, the scope mm. was absolutely incredible. Uh, yeah. It was really, really good. Oh, uh, super incredible. It was so flashy, so scopy. It just looked like it could jump anything. But no, I think we should talk a bit about the jump off. They got nine through and some really good names were through and it started off quick. So the first one to go was Alberto Zorzi and he jumped round and he was 41.54 seconds, but did just have an early fence down. And it was, it looked a really quick, really smooth round. And you know, me and my dad sort of had a bet between us. You, did you think someone was get under 40 seconds? And they absolutely smashed it. it. There was only one other in the nine that went through to the jump off that was over 40 seconds. It was incredible. And Edward Levy, he was second to go, put in a really, really good round on Rebecca. And I did not know if anyone would beat it. And I know, um, don't know about you, Sam, but Steve's round to win was just unbelievable. Oh, it was absolutely amazing. He was last to go and he knew what he had to do. But the thing for me with that horse is he has jumped it in four five-star Grand Prix this year and he's won every one of them. And the thing about Steve in the jump off is he doesn't look like he's going quick, mm. but his final time was, what, 37 seconds. So mm. there wasn't too much between sort of the first and the second. But 
it's just those tight turns where he seems mm. to manage to go ahead of, of the rest, really. Yeah, he's he's just so good at working the angles. Like when we're watching, it's so good to watch this top sport and anyone who's you know listening at home and manages to get a bit of free time on a Sunday afternoon to watch a five-star Grand Prix. It just really is worth it, especially the jump off because the amount, how angled they take the fences is just where he gets, the top riders get that point one three of a second which he won by and it was just an absolute exhibition of a round and but i tell you who was really unlucky in that class was daniel doyser on killer queen who's been on incredible form this year that horse looks phenomenal it does and actually looking at it he was the fastest time mm. in the jump off but with that one fence down that was my personal favorite if i'm honest mm. Mm. but Having a look at riders that we've had on the podcast, it's always nice to talk about their success. And mm. in that Grand Prix, Peter Fredrickson, he was third. Again, catch me not. He hasn't had the horse a long time, but he's really grown together as a partnership, haven't they? Yeah, oh, definitely. It looked great. And it's, you know, it's great to, to watch the people who've been on as a guest as a podcast go well in the big Grand Prix. It just, you know, it shows that, you know, we managed to get the insight and the, you know, you see their personalities and, you know, Pedder jumped super and that horse jumped, jumped amazing. And it's probably, you know, one of his top couple of horses, but it wouldn't be to the same um, uh, same level as All In or Christine K. But it, it just showed what a exceptional jockey he is to manage to get, you know, yet another horse up to that level and jump as well. And another one who, uh, obviously... British and has been on the podcast, Scott Brash. Uh, Hello, Jefferson. I thought it jumped a lovely, lovely round. Uh, not too, too old a horse. It's 11 years old and it's really stepping into its own. It jumped really well. Just had the one fence down. But yeah, it's looking like a combination that is it's coming together. And hopefully when, you know, Tokyo rolls round, uh, I would say I he, that one would be my preferred horse for him to take to the games. But uh It'd be interesting to see which uh, which of Scott's up-and-coming horses do make that next step up. Definitely. And just before we move away from Saint-Tropez, we'll give you a rundown of the top five in the Grand Prix. So, as we said, it was Steve Gerdat with Vittoria de Votaz that took the win. In second, France's rider Edward Levy and Rebecca L.S. With third, to previous guest on the show, Peter Fredriksen, and catch me not. Fourth was uh, Niels Brunsils for Belgium, Deluxe Vant TNL, and the fifth place goes to France's Kevin Stout and Viking Della Rosary. But while we're on the topic of France, Will, there was it was great to see so many of our British riders have success over in France. Yeah, there was also a two-star show at Royan, which uh, was looked like an extremely, extremely difficult. Uh, <laughs> um, two star to go to there was some of our really good riders we had Guy Williams who was third in, in the Grand Prix which uh, if to hit him to finish third on Rouge de Ravel must have been uh, absolutely flat out jump off and uh, yeah Leon Tyson took the win there was Louise Saywell jumping double clear on a horse I actually haven't seen a ride before called Stipple uh, Jack uh, Whitaker riding Valmy de la Lande he jumped clear and a fence in the jump off but that that horse is a lovely horse, and his dad's jumped it to a lot of top uh, top sport. And if Jack can keep that, and you know, pry his dad's hands away from it, uh, that will be that will be one to look for. And also Laura Mantel, who was riding Laura Renick, uh, you know, horse top dollar jumped a fantastic clear, and that horse seems to really really go for Laura because you know Laura Renick, shall I say, has so many good horses at the moment so it's it's nice to see Laura Mantel get a, a good chance in a in a nice Grand Prix but uh, also also in the news this this week was you know seeing on World of Show Jumping I I hadn't seen but Harry Charles obviously guest on our podcast had taken over the reins of Irenice Horta the horse that Lorenzo De Luca took to the World Games in 2018 with and it jumped some fantastic rounds there what do you have you managed to see him? I know you put a video of that out, jumping at Centaur. Have you seen that, Sam? I have, actually. I literally just watched it before we started recording. And it's always been a horse that I've been following. And this, again, the scope and the way that it sort of can move in the jump off is amazing. And I think for Harry, it's another good five-star horse to add to his string going mm. forward into 2020 and beyond. 
definitely. I mean, a bit more than good. Great five star horse. That's uh, it is an exceptional horse. And I think I, I mean personally, I'd I'd think that that would then be his best horse, and he'd have now would have a combination to push for the championships next year. I I would say. I think Harry's a great rider. His horses are really nice, but that Iranese is is another another level on from that. So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how Harry gets on with that horse. And it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. It definitely will. And sort of while we're on the topic of that horse, actually, we know that it had quite a bit to do with Kean O'Connor. And uh, another thing in the news this week is Irish rider Peter Maloney is now working for Ashford Farm, which is something that Kean's been working on recently. So that's another exciting move, isn't it, in the world of show jumping? Yeah, definitely. Peter Maloney's he's really come up the ranks over the past few years. He he went to the Europeans last year on I'm sure it was Chianti's champion or, or horse of that effect. I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, he, he did really well there. Made his appearance and be interesting to see how that horse, uh, how he gets on at Ashford Farm and and you know see how he goes up through the ranks where so a lot of good riders have come before him. Absolutely. And as I said, we'll give you all of the information when we get it on the five star shows and on the Brits abroad. But whilst we're on the topic of young riders having success, let's move on to part two of the podcast where we catch up with great British young talent, Emily Ward. Now we come to part two of the podcast and joining us is one of Great Britain's young, talented riders. She's a three-time European medalist through the junior, children, horses and young rider ranks. Thank you, Emily Ward, for coming on the Full Course Show Jumping podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, thanks very much for coming on, Emily. It's been a long time since I've seen you since you've moved away, which we'll get into in a bit. But how has everything been, you know, in America? Uh, it's been pretty crazy over here. Um, we've all been trying our best to keep safe, obviously, from the virus. Um, but, yeah, we've we've tried to keep everything going as smoothly as possible and keep the horses in a pretty normal routine. And we've just been training a lot more. Uh, some of the horses have had a bit more of a break who who did less. So it's been it's been quite a nice break for us all, actually. I think that's what a lot of guests have said, is that it has been nice to take time off. But, you know, towards the end of last year, you made the decision to move from Britain to go to America slash Canada to base yourself with Tiffany Foster. What happened that made you want to make the move across the pond? Um, So at the end of last year, I had the great opportunity to compete on the Senior Nations Cup in Morocco. Um, That in itself was a fantastic experience um and I met Tiffany and we started talking over there and I uh put across how much that I I would love love to compete in West and I always have um and she very kindly gave me a brilliant job offer uh to go over and compete with her and work with her um and yeah, so I took it with both hands and I've been over here since November and it's been a fantastic experience. Yeah, and once you moved over, you had instant success, especially in WEF. You know, how was that? I mean, WEF itself is fantastic. There's a lot of great competition. I started training a little bit with Kent Farrington as well as Tiffany. I start. I met Eric Lamars, who were, I mean, idols of mine, um, who I've actually never seen jumping a lot, obviously on TV, but never in person. And it, I mean, it is a fantastic experience. And to also jump in the same arena as them and have success myself is fantastic. And my horses loved, you know, the training program that Tiffany put them on. And so did I. And it, just seemed to work like my young horse Tilla Flamenco she also did very well she stepped up and jumped a few 140s over here uh, very successfully and Millian and mine went to win the U25 Hermes Grand Prix so it was it was really great it was great for all of us. So for someone that's got experience in competing both in the UK 
and in America. And we've asked many of our American guests that have done both this, but more from a young rider's perspective, how is jumping in America different to Britain? Um, I'd say it's different in a way, like I competed against a lot of riders that I've never competed against before. And they are, I mean, like Europe, they are an extremely high quality. Um, Normally in Europe, the young riders, I mean, apart from a few classes, are under 21. Um, However, in America, the whole series is U25. So it it brings in a broader um, amount of young riders who are very successful in five stars and they then come back and jump the U25. So it's very strong competition. which was great. I really enjoyed it. And thank goodness as my horses were ready on the day for a, a tough battle. Yeah, no, that was an incredible um, you know, performance there where you did so well. But do you, do you have a preference between jumping in America or jumping in you know, Britain and Europe? Um, I wouldn't say a preference, but I, I, like, them, I like them both for different reasons. Um, I think with Europe, obviously, I'm against more of a lot more of my friends over there. So mm. it's a bit more, um, I don't know, a bit more of a fun battle between us all. Um, but obviously, we all want to win. Um, and the competition, I think in Europe, the, the fences and the courses are a lot stronger because there are so many young riders that are so talented over there. Um, in America, I would say the courses are still, they're still pretty tough um, and, and, you know, quite big. But I would say they're not quite as big as Europe. So coming from Europe to America was quite nice because I'm used to very big and bold courses. Mm. So it didn't feel, you know, too cha- you know, too challenging. Obviously, they were tough to mm. win, but um, I was prepared from being in Europe for so long. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear that because you know, before going out there, you you I like myself. I've never jumped in America, and to hear your point of view from it, I, I find really really interesting because for someone who's you know, similar as me, young rider going over there. So, yeah, really interesting to hear your point of view. But do you, do you think you will stay out there permanently or do you think in time you will come back to, you know, Britain and be with us all again? <laughs> be with my friends yeah. again. Um, um, well, no, I don't think... This is normally not permanent. Obviously, mm. this year, things have changed and plans have had to be um, resorted. But... Normally, we would do WEF and come home at the start of April to Europe. Um, and we base in Belgium normally with Tiffany and Little Creek. Um, but at the moment, it wasn't great to travel. And, you know, for different reasons, i.e. visas and stuff, it was a little hard to do. So we decided to come to Canada, which is obviously Tiffany's home country, Um base here at Thunderbird which has been fantastic and hopefully we're going to start getting to some shows quite soon so and we're all staying safe and all the horses are fit and well so we're all happy at the moment. That's good and that's definitely the main thing but many of us have seen you through the years from the 128s, the 138s, you know the 142s and way beyond into the early part of your senior career started in show jumping. Um, I'd say my family have always had a strong foot in in horses. My dad himself used to be an event rider and also my mum. And then we've always been quite close family friends with Michael Whitaker and Jeff Billington. Uh, So my dad got into um, buying some horses and being an owner for them kinds of people. and kind of through that relationship, my dad then began show jumping and and so on, so on. Um, they had a lot of success together, my dad and Michael Whitaker. Uh, so he really 
was excited then after seeing Michael do it all to see if he could get me to that level. So it's been it's been great how supportive everyone's been of my show jumping career so far. So hopefully it carries on and hopefully I can make it. <laughs> It'll be tough, but I'm going to try. <laughs> well, I tell you, you started off incredibly well because... Like most notably, winning the under twenty three final at Olympia, the youngest ever at thirteen years old. Can can you tell us a bit more about that day? I mean, the day itself was a bit of a, a blur. I don't think anyone really expected it, let alone me. Um, the horse is incredible, and she that it was which I won it on. Um, she was an absolute hero uh, she I've ridden her since I was 12 years old and I did two European championships with her um getting a few medals on the way which was fantastic um and she really actually took me up to the next level a little unexpectedly from both sides the horse and the rider I don't think anyone quite expected she could jump as big as we ended up jumping and obviously, being 13 at the time, jumping a 145 track was a bit questionable. <laughs> However, obviously, my dad um, and Michael knew me and Witch well enough to trust us to go in and, and have a go. And I mean, it worked on the day. I think a few people were looking at us a little funny, but we, um, we proved them wrong. And yeah, it was fantastic. Really, really good. It was one of definitely the best moments of my life. Uh, it was phenomenal. Even I remember watching it at 13, thinking someone my age was even in the class was was unbelievable. But which was was so good, uh, just so quick. And even then, it was you had to go. If I can remember right, it was eight years ago now. But uh, you had, still had to go extremely quick to win the class. Yeah, it was pretty foot to the floor. Um, I actually have been recently getting photos, and there was one where she was like, it was. It was more like a motorbike track. You know, she was like so close to the floor and me holding on for dear life. Um, yeah, she was extremely quick and she was so careful. So, you know, anything I asked her to do, any turn I came from, I could gallop down to any vertical and she would, She, I knew she would clear it. She never would have a fence down unless I really messed up. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, there was a lot of trust in that in that relationship with me and her. Obviously, that year at Olympia, I think, is one that you will never forget. You won the under-23s on one day at 13. And then the next day, you went on and won the 148s with that super pony of yours, King Mac, possibly making it the best weekend you've ever had. Um, how was it winning both of the big young rider feature classes at Olympia? To be honest, it was obviously unbelievable. Um, it was fantastic. And to be honest, I, I don't think the win on which had really sunk, you know, had really set yet. And then after I, I went in and, and did so well on uh, King Mac and unfortunately beat one of my best friends now, Jess Mendoza on Tixilix, which was her last show. Mm. Um, so I felt terrible, obviously, <laughs> with wanting to win myself anyway um so I felt happy for myself but I felt awful when I saw Jess when I came out the ring and we both started crying um me with happiness and a bit a bit of felt a bit sorry but um it was it was unbelievable moment and then later that night I sat with dad and we just were like so exhausted from everything <laughs> that we'd been doing the last two days but it was I remember talking to him and we were just both so happy and we were thinking like what fantastic horses to have at such a young age that could give me that kind of feeling and in that big stadium arena and the crowds were full and it was I mean it was a moment I'll never forget you had so much success through those pony years, as we've just touched on there. But moving on from that, you know, you've been on many young rider Nations Cup teams and youth European teams. Three of those are gold me uh, medal winning performances. Any teams in particular that stand out for you? Um, I'd say 
I really, really love doing the children and horses uh, teams, obviously with which she was such a reliable horse. So I didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, worry going. I knew if I rode well, she would do her best and jump, like normally touch wood, would jump a play around. So um, I really enjoyed going there and we went to such lovely places. And obviously as such a young person, I was 12 years old, going to Portugal and, you know, all these fantastic places. We went to Austria and seeing all these big showgrounds for the first time, it was a real eye-opener to, to what my future was going to look like, which was fantastic for me. And doing it all and starting it all with my best friends was um was something that I think everyone dreams of it's it's really it was really great I loved them I loved them at European championships on children's Mm. definitely those those children's championships do get to take you to so many different places I know myself that I even got to go to Brazil which is one of the you know furthest ashore places that I've been especially and with horses it's just amazing how much you know experience you can get at such a young age but that you then put that experience into good use, and you touched on at the start, uh, jumping your first Nations Cup in Morocco, the, the same as I did. Uh, how you know how was that experience, and what was it like to jump on you know your first Nations Cup team? Um, well, first of all, the experience in Morocco was fantastic. Um, everyone was so lovely. Uh, I went and competed. Obviously, I met Tiffany Foster out there, which is now has been a big impact on my future. Um, and the shows were fantastic. It was great competition, a lot tougher than I expected, actually. Um, I think it's really grown through the years that it's, it's um, been going. Um, but yeah, Million and Minds jumped fantastic out there. And I, I also took a horse, Billy Zed, who also placed very well out there in a lot of the ranking classes. Um, but to jump, yeah, I was pretty nervous. Um, it was also an Olympic qualifier, which I think was new that year. So I was expecting, you know, a Nations Cup, pretty full size, full star. But it was it was big <laughs> and I, I remember walking it looking at like my dad thinking I'm not sure I can do this um, <laughs> I, but obviously I know a million in mind and he was on great form um, so I gave it my best shot and he put in a brilliant round he had a very early fence I think probably due to a bit of my nerves a bit of twitchy riding but um, no and then he finished off and jumped an incredible clear round after that so I couldn't have been happier and everyone was delighted Mm. with the performance so it was great really great start Mm. to hopefully a long Nations Cup career fingers crossed definitely you know like you said I completely agreed Morocco when we went out there like oh it's in Africa no one will go and then I turned up there and there was five former world number ones so you're like ah that's, yeah, this is going to be exactly. a bit, bit more tricky than we first anticipated. <laughs> yeah. And then the size of the jumps come out. And I remember that first Grand Prix I jumped there, which was my first, you know, first big Grand Prix. And exactly like your dad said, my mum was like, I-, I really don't know if you can jump this. This is, this yeah, is, exactly. uh, what have we, what, <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, thanks mum. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. you're like, uh, you've come all the way there. You jump, like, look at these fences, like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. But you know, the whole experience in Morocco is, it is phenomenal. How did you find, like, I found the atmospheres there completely different to Europe. I don't know how you, what you thought about that. Um, yeah, the atmospheres was great, especially on Nations Cup Day. We had a lot of uh, support and it was actually fantastic. Because obviously, it was so far away. So I was expecting Great Britain to have very little support. <laughs> but um, it was actually great. And we had a lot of fans. And obviously, I'd met um, Tiffany Foster's crew by then. So I had a lot of Canadian support as well, <laughs> which was great because they are crazy. Um on Nations Cup Day, they are new animals altogether. Um, <laughs> it's it was actually fantastic, and the last show, El Jadida, was in the indoor, and the atmosphere there was incredible. 
Mm. They were, you know, it was like some kind of circus that we were going into. The horses were a little bit shook at first, but they got used to it. And actually, I think they thrived off the atmosphere there. And they they both jumped really well. So <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it was um, when I was there, the first day I jumped, went in for the Grand Prix qualifier. And the, uh, show jumping is maybe not the most well-known sport in Morocco. And I went in just before yes. the break and... You know the the guys doing the doing the jumps probably didn't know what was going on and thought, oh, it's time to take all the fences down. I was in the middle of the <laughs> ring and all the fences were being taken down. And Percy's a little bit sharp as it is, and everyone yeah. was picking the poles. Oh God, take it. I was like, oh my god! I saw such shouting, like, what am I supposed to do? And then obviously, when... then the Moroccan crowd thought it was funny, and it's all like tin metal the whole way around it. Yeah, and just started it stamping is, yeah. their feet and shouting. And That's like, oh. what they did. I was first to go. Jesus, in, in like a one fifty uh, ranking class, and I went in with Billy Zed, who's pretty unflappable. Mm. He's a very <laughs> relaxed man. Um, and they started stamping on the floor, and he like <laughs> lost it. Oh. I was like, if it can spook Billy. <laughs> It's a good atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've ever heard a nation's cup show be compared to a circus before. That's a new one. So I mean, I mean, that wasn't the nation's cup show. The the nation's cup show was Rabat. That was the the third week was um, El Jadida, but it was absolutely it was amazing, amazing, but yeah, wild. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So moving on from show jumping circuses to Obviously, now you're based in Canada, as you said, not just with the horses, but personally for you, how different is it living over there to being based here in Britain? Actually, I think from being in uh, Florida, uh, uh, Canada is actually quite similar to England. Um, Obviously, in some ways, it's different. There's still the driving on the wrong side of the road gets me a little. Um, (laughs) But no, it's it's like obviously everything's so grassy over here is how I describe it. It's so green, um, which is nice. The humidity is zero, which is just like England. In Florida, it was 100% humidity every day, which does nothing for my hair. Um, but... <laughs> Were you sporting the afro? <laughs> yeah, oh, every day, every day. It was cat day every day. Um, but it was it's beautiful over here and actually because we've been in quarantine for two weeks we've only been here three weeks altogether and two of them weeks we were in quarantine staying in RVs on the show site with the horses Um, so we haven't really explored a lot of Canada yet but from what I've seen in the week I've been free uh, it's it's beautiful and it's it's a really nice place to be. So I'm excited to stay here for a few more months and then hopefully, if everything looks okay, go back to Florida and get ready for WEP again. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm sure we'll all enjoy looking at some of the photos that you post on Instagram of your travels in yes. Canada. I'm very excited. But is there anything that you miss from Britain that you would love to bring over to Canada or America? Um. I really miss doing a lot of my young horses at home. Um, obviously, it's very expensive to bring your ho- to bring your horses out here. Um, so I bring Milena Mine and Tila Flamenco, who are who are great, and they they win a lot of money out here, and it's great experience for them. Um, but to bring a whole team of young horses isn't feasible, you know. So I really. I really do miss doing a lot of my young horses. Obviously, we've got a big operation at home, Haddon Farms, which is taking off now. And we're just having our first um, of our young stock kind of coming up, ready to be jumped. So to be missing the first part of their career is is a bit sad for me, but we've got a good team at home. So um, hopefully they'll be ready for when I come back to Europe next April. And ready to uh, go. Well, like you said, uh, you, you ride a horse for Kemp Farrington as well as 
you know, riding for you for Stephanie Foster. But looking at Kent and you said uh, Eric Lamars, you know, how are they to to train with and their philosophy on show jumping? Um, they're both fantastic. Um, I think they're both very different in the way they train, which is actually great because I I love to see different ways and I like to take stuff from every camp if you will um I think um Eric's very Eric loves to um produce the horse you know and Kent's very interested in also the how the rider can make you know how a rider impacts the horse if you get what I mean Mm. um but I mean, they're both fantastic. Obviously, Eric's a fantastic rider, and also Kent. Um, and I'm, it's been a fantastic opportunity to work with them both, and I've, I've been very lucky. And also Tiffany, obviously, um, it's been a great experience so far. And I'm excited to go back to Florida and hopefully work with them in in 2021. That sounds really exciting. So lots to look forward to for you in the future. We mentioned some great riders. But now let's look at some great horses. If you had to choose one horse, it can be past or present, that you would like to ride, which horse would you pick and why? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, um, I'm not sure. (laughs) Obviously, I love Explosion. I think Mm. that's everyone. I think that's if you ask most people that question, 95% of them would say explosion. Um, he's fantastic. He is a, such a great horse um, and so successful. And it seems to me, I mean, whenever I watch him, he jumps clear rounds. So he, um, he looks, that's what we aim for in this sport. Um, but actually, since I've been over here, I've been watching a lot of videos of Hickstead the Eric mm. Lamar's top horse and um, he looked like an unbelievable horse to ride and work with uh, so I definitely for my for my present horse it would be explosion and for my past it would it would definitely be Hickster. Definitely it's, it's great to have Hickster brought up in the discussion because I think that uh, when he won the individual gold at Beijing I think that was the first show jumping competition that you know, actually I remember watching on yeah. on tv which my mum wasn't a part of and it just uh, from what i can remember and watching back over the years like it was just such a phenomenal horse i mean i think he was extraordinary i mm. remember watching him at the world equestrian games and i was sat there with dad and i was just like this horse is a dream like mm. i would and to now be training with eric the guy who rode him is is I mean it's pretty incredible and mm-hmm. I'm very lucky very lucky definitely and you know what sort of riders do you look up to and why um I obviously used to train with Michael Whitaker um I have always looked up to him as a rider I think he is an extremely talented um person who can ride pretty much any horse you could give them mm-hmm. um which is you know it's fantastic to be able to do because not every horse goes like a dream although we would like them to um so to learn to ride a variety of horses from a young age with him uh, was i think a very good life skill because you know at the you're not always going to find a dream horse to ride so to be able to ride uh, different ones that have different vices is fantastic. I mean, it's a great, I'm very happy I learned that skill at a young age. Um, obviously, Tiffany Foster, who I train with, she is fantastic. She does things in a bit of a different way. Um, but I'm, I'm learning that way now. And so far, it's working very well. I'm, I'm very happy with all the horses I'm riding and I'm getting pretty good results, so it's going well, obviously. Um, also, Kent and Eric, and um, I have to 
add them in they're, they're fantastic riders and I think I think everyone wouldn't mind being in the position I'm in so I'm I'm extremely grateful for all of them but- and Marcus Aynan Marcus Aynan I mean <laughs> unbelievable rider I don't know quite how he sits so still I look mm. at watch videos of him and then myself and I'm thinking oh doesn't quite look like that but <laughs> I seem to get a few players. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people would want to ride like Marcus Enning. I think mm. that's a, yeah. A, I think that's the dream. Yeah. So moving on from there, have you had any embarrassing moments in the ring that you've looked back and you've laughed? Um, embarrassing moments in the ring. Um, <laughs> I I do remember. I mean, it's not too embarrassing. Oh, actually, yeah. I, <laughs> I, uh, it was when I was a lot younger. But every time someone reminds me of it, it's I, I get a bit humiliated. So I was when I was on twelve twos. Will you'll remember this? Um, and I had a really amazing twelve two called Rockingham Shadows. But he was, you know, a little quirky. I think most of the twelve twos were. Um, but his quirk was he didn't like indoor arenas. So Hicks said he was he won, and it was fantastic. But I took him to Hoy's. I was prepped. I knew he didn't really like indoors, so I was ready. You know, I was on guard, and then he ever so I cantered into the arena in the twelve-two final, ready to go. Um, jumped to number one and two. And came round to number three, full force, and he fired me onto the floor. Anyway, I was so angry. I was like, I can't believe it, Ella. And I, like, smacked the floor with my whip, looking like the biggest brat child, I think, of my life. And as soon as I did it, I was like, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> How embarrassing to a full crowd at Horse of the Year show. You know, a little eleven-year-old being slapped off and smacking the floor. It wasn't my, my finest moment, but my my, my favorite Emily Ward memory, especially from the young days, oh God, was no. in the uh, yeah. oh, what was it? The uh, something at Scope, anyway. And Emily is before <laughs> the age of sixteen was an absolute machine in the jump offs. So it was either it won it or it, something was going to go wrong, and she came around the corner to a distance, a three-stride distance, which, I mean, I, I still don't understand. She goes for it, goes to the big one, jumps the first fence and goes, I'm going to go get two down here. And tries <laughs> so hard to get two down a three-stride distance. And I don't know which horse it was, but the back bar was a long, long way away <laughs> That's, for I some mean, reason, that's something that's always stuck it, in my memory. If I'd have done it, I'd have looked like a hero. Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely. Hero. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> oh dear, that, that was one of my one of my favourite memories of Emily in the jump yeah. off. But I think I've done a few of them where yeah. I tried something pretty chancy, <laughs> oh, and man. it's not quite paid off how I thought. <laughs> Oh, but anyway, moving on. Um, if you know, if you, you'd never gone into show jumping, it, w- what do you reckon you'd be doing? Well, you may find this hard to believe. Um, I probably don't come across as the smartest uh, one, but um, I actually was good English. Interested... <laughs> I know, yeah, really. Um, <laughs> I wanted to become a criminal psychologist. Oh, which but... I think is actually a very interesting job. Um, I think it's I think it'd be pretty tough mentally, but I'm I'm pretty good at handling those kind of situations, and it's something that's always interested me. So yeah, I think I would want it to become a criminal psychologist. Well, that's one thing new that we learned about Emily Ward that we didn't know before the start of the podcast. <laughs> I think many people ask me that. Mm. So I'll shock <laughs> a few people. It certainly did. But staying with that topic of things that people wouldn't know about you, go on, tell us something else. It can be funny, it can be a party trick, or just 
something that the normal person wouldn't know? Oh, God. Um, Will, any ideas? <laughs> I was just thinking, when I was... When I was writing the question, we we've asked everyone. We've either had some great answers or someone's just said no. Um, I was I was really thinking what you come up with, but I couldn't. What? I think I'm a pretty open book. If yeah. I can do something, I show people. Mm. <laughs> um, what can I do? Um... What's your party trick? There we go. I normally show them at the parties. That's not a secret. <laughs> um, what's my party trick? Um, you may have to edit this bit because I don't want to sound like I'm thinking for too long. Um, <laughs> I can um, fill in. Um, I can fill in one of mine of uh, something people don't know. I have uh, Emily knows this, but uh, I have potentially the largest head known in show jumping. Um, so true. So it is. Uh, they don't make my size hats. I don't know if I've said this in podcast already, but sixty-four centimeter is my hat size, and that is a bucket, effectively. There is. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't. I mean, it's it doesn't help. Oh, it's, it's something. You got. Oh, go on, go on, go on. I mean, it's not very interesting. It's pretty boring, but I can't kneel down which is strange <laughs> because I have a, I have a scar on my right knee because I broke it um, and then all of the tissue around my knee is numb so if I kneel down I just fall and it's just like fall to the right because that knee is basically not there for me <laughs> oh, well there we are there we something are something interesting it's a bit weird oh, it's not a party trick of any sorts but it's there <laughs> and uh moving on uh, oh, you... go on trick. i know a party trick go on i can make a mean cocktail wow <laughs> mojitos and like daiquiris i'm serious <laughs> oh fantastic <laughs> i mean Manual... that's pretty good Yes, but it's better than I can do. That's all I can say. <laughs> Go. Yeah. Well, a bit more serious, but uh, you know, you're, any of the young horses coming up? Mate, you said about Kimba Flamenco, but you know, the young horses at home. I know your dad's it's done a lot of Tiller. breeding. Tiller Flamenco. Tiller, not Kimba Flamenco. <laughs> You'd be pretty happy if it was Kimba. Yeah. I wouldn't mind Kimba Flamenco. But... Yeah. But... <laughs> I've there got Tiller. Yeah, but um, you, you know the the young horses you've got at home and the breeding that your dad's been doing. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I obviously have always run a lot of young horses. I like, uh, that's mainly what we do with Michael. We buy young horses and produce them. Um, we've obviously now got a few of my old retired mares, for example, Witch, Wild Rose, um, and we wanted to try and we wanted to try and make copies of them but we're we're trying our best and so far we're we're doing very well we've got a very nice four-year-old at the moment which is wild rose big star um he looks very nice um and then we have a little gap in 2017 and then we've got a flock of um new horses coming through so i'm very excited to get started with all of them and and see if they're anything like the brilliant mothers and fathers that we we very carefully picked for fingers crossed they are <laughs> obviously there's many competitions in show jumping out there that many riders want to win but the two specifics that we're going to focus on are the rolex grand slam and show jumping or Olympic gold? If you had to pick one, which would you rather win? I think it would have to be Olympic gold. Um, it's, I think it's most people's dream when they start show jumping. That's the, I'd say the biggest title you can win. It's the biggest achievement. And it's, it's known globally, the Olympics. Um, if you ask, you know, a lot of people about the Rolex Grand Slam. Obviously, it's a fantastic thing to win in our sport, but it's 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 not as well known as the Olympics. Um, so I think Olympic gold, individual, or 
football team a take either um would, would be I would love to do that obviously or a little way off but I would I'd love to love to be able to put that on my resume one day oh that's that's super and you know coming on we've had a lot of fun recording this and uh you know lastly we always like to leave it on this is what's your favorite piece of advice um oh my favorite piece of advice I'd say it would have to be um you get out what you put in um so obviously the harder you work it turns out the more success you have which I found to be a great piece of advice and I I strive to work hard every day and and it's it's working for me so far so I'm going to keep working hard and hopefully keep having success which is what all of us hope for I think. Thank you very much to Emily Ward for coming on the podcast it's great to hear from her she's a personal friend of mine I haven't seen her in a while since she's moved over to America and it's great to catch up with her and you know see her view and how things are going with her but now we'll move on. We've got a bit of time in the podcast this week to you know, answer your guys' questions who kindly sent in, and which we really enjoy doing. It's really nice to talk between me and Sam and you know, just say, answer what you guys want to ask us about. So what have we got so far, Sam? What have we got to uh, answer? So we've got quite a few good ones. But since we've been talking about young horses a little while ago, we'll stick with that topic for a bit. And this is a question from Lizzie Sladden. And she asks us, what horses do you think are up and coming superstars? Sort of between the age of five and eight, any young ones. So, Will, any that you've got your eye on that you like the look of? See, I, I try to follow the top sport as much as I possibly can. And uh, the young horses are something that I do struggle to see everything but i know the british riders and what uh, horses have looked really good to me uh, maybe they're a bit older from the, the five years old upwards i find it very difficult to try and pick out a, a young horse at that age at that age but you know one of uh one horse that's caught my eye quite a bit is joe stockdale's uh young mare casherel which he's is i mean you can't stop when you go and see him I can't stop him talking about it. So he's, um, it is a fantastic horse. I know he's, he's had some good form and he, I think he jumped clear in the Hickstead Grand Prix, the, in the all England show in September. And it's just, it's one to really look look out for when he manage he gets to make the next step with that horse. Yeah, I totally agree. And looking away from British riders, I think Ireland have always been great at producing young horses. And if I had to pick two of my favourites, they'd be horses that Mikey Pender rides. Um, of course, he won Hickstead last year, didn't he? The youngest ever winner of that. Mm. But uh, he's got a really nice young horse called Chaco Bay um, and also one called MHS Cardento. Both of, both of those were medal winners at the Young Horse Championships in Lanarkin. And there's something about the way that they manage to produce horses in mm. Ireland. And I think really, really horses for the future for the Irish teams and for Mikey Pender as well. Yeah, especially if it's ridden by Mikey, who's just flies everywhere and wins a lot. <laughs> He's, um, he took one and two in the Villamora Grand Prix this, uh, this last weekend. So he's, he's an exceptionally good jockey and yeah, any young horse will be should be doing well to come from him. But one other, we mentioned it on the podcast with Laura Rennick, Arcuga. It's, I think, nine now. And it, that's a lovely horse, one to look for, one really to look out for, to to be pushed up and up the ranks and jumping at those big Grand Prix. I think it's a lovely, lovely horse. That's fantastic. And then moving on from young horses, more to our personal careers. And this is a question from Equine Enthusiast. And they ask, who have been the most influential in your show jumping careers? So, Will, over to you to start. Well, um, I mean, it's a bit hard for me not to say my mum and dad. Um, uh, they've obviously they've managed to train me, help me all the time and do find the horses, help juice them and everything that they do is for me has been fantastic and I can't uh, I, I, I couldn't I, I'm struggling to think of anyone else to 
to who's even vaguely come close to doing what your what my mum and dad have done but what about you how did you know getting into commentating did you who pushed you in that uh, career path I think there's to be honest there's so many people to mention yes my family have been a great support but show jumping wise and commentary wise I'd say Philip Cheatham and the team at Hartbury that's sort of where it began for me I don't think I'd do, be anywhere without them um I did got all of my experience sort of to start with from them um but as I've moved on sort of through the years and done some more of the bigger shows I think all of the commentators there people like Nick Brooks Ward Gareth Jenkins mm. Steve Wilde and, and Kerry Knox all of them have sort of really helped me pushed me and and guided me as well so I'd say a mix between the team at Hartbury and the top commentators that I've been lucky enough to work with as well. That's oh, really it's great to you know there's not so many you know young younger commentators coming up and it's great to, that everyone's helping you get to that level, which is it's nice to see. It's we try to do a bit like that in you know the top level jumping and the top riders are always there to lend a hand to the younger riders or offer a bit of word of advice so yeah it's great to see that it happens in the commentary work as well as because i mean especially in commentary they, you're out there to make their job aren't you well <laughs> working together i think is the term that we use but um but yeah i i think that actually we are you know they've been a great help and they've taught me a lot and i owe them a lot really um but moving on from the commentating back to the riding and this is obviously going to be a question for you will and this is one from Tallulah Butcher firstly how did you get into riding and secondly how do you make a living from horses well getting into riding obviously um, my mum and dad rode so I always had a pony or well something that resembled a pony they weren't the best when I was younger and um we just, yeah, I, I learned to ride, and but I didn't do much. I, I really, really didn't do very much. I, I was always interested in playing football. I was interested in other sports, but never, never even vaguely thought about riding. It wasn't until I, I did a bit more and it started jumping a little bit. And my mum said, "You know what? If you if you win, I'll give you half the prize money." I was like, "What?" And this is, you know, eleven, twelve year old me perking my ears up, like, "What?" And when it's £20 to the winner of a British novice, the £10 is, is very sweet at 11 years old. So that, <laughs> that really, really got me into, into riding and trying to learn how to ride against the clock. So that's how I got into it. But uh, into how we make a living from it, it's, we, I'd love to get to the stage where I pay for everything with prize money. Um, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I do make a bit of money and it helps pay for the shows and Hopefully, at the end of the year, that breaks even. But the upkeep of horses is ex very expensive. And there's no other way about it. We've got some great owners who have support me and they help pay the expense for their horses. But we have nearly 30 horses at our yard. We've got to try and make money. I do a lot of teaching and try to do as much as I can fit in. I really enjoy it and I really he like helping people. So that's good for me personally and buying and selling horses is probably as our business which is our whole family is is the main thing we'll always we'll always look to try and sell them when we feel the time is right and which is unfortunate and we'd love that every single horse would be have the owners that i do have but we've got to try and make some money and that is the unfortunate fact of show jumping that you, you have to do to to make some money and just survive in, in this sport, really. That's very true. And I think that's a really good point to make is that it's not possible to keep the horses that you love forever. You have mm. to, to move them on to, to pay the bills and Definitely. sort of keep going with your career. Yeah, but what I'm, what I'm very lucky is that uh, my best horse, Persimmon, was, was sold to me on the basis that I, I could never sell him again. So it's, I can let myself you know, love him more than any of the other horses because he's not going to go anywhere. And that's a, it was really nice safety net because he did, he's done so much for me in my career. And if he was, if we didn't sign that and have that agreement that we, that we would probably have sold him in all likelihood. So that was a, 
um, probably my parents are looking a bit, a bit more disappointed and not having as much money in the bank. But uh, that's a very fortunate thing that's happened for me. That's really good. And Will, you yourself, obviously, you've competed at Hickstead and on Nations Cup teams through the young rider ranks and the seniors as well. So Streak the Chestnut asks, do you ever get nervous? And if so, how do you overcome your nerves? So I, yeah, I always get nervous, but I am lucky and I try and, you know, revert that into my nerves into positivity. I usually ride better when there's something on the line. Uh, I, that's when I, I feel myself that I really, you know, get out of bed and with a bit more of a step, at, you know, jump in my step. And that's when I feel that I, I ride my best. Uh, for people who really struggle with nerves, it's, it, I think it's just realising that everyone gets nervous. Everyone does get nervous. Like, like I've just said, I get nervous before any, any big class. It, and you just need to appreciate that. And I'm sure you, Sam, you get nervous. And it's just learning, dealing with it and, you know, trying to think positively. Try and not, uh, when you go through the course, is something, uh, one of our friends is a is a psychologist and when going through things and the same with when I teach people is he says not to tell anyone don't do that because he said when you teach a when you teach a dog to to sit you don't say don't stand do you it works negatively in your brain so I think it's trying to spin everything positively and just believing trying to believe in yourself and the just realizing that everyone gets nervous it's not only you no, I agree. And actually, from my point of view, one of the key things that I've always been told, especially with the commentating, mm. is that it's OK to be nervous. But if you've done your homework and the preparation and you've got your notes, there's actually no need to be because you know that you're facts. Mm. And it is the same with riding. If you've done the schooling at home and mm. everything, then that, you know, that gives you sort of a peace of mind, doesn't it? That you're as prepared as you can be for the occasion definitely definitely and yeah ideally you'd hope every single time you go in the ring you have done that but you obviously think oh have i done this have i done that but it's just when you get there you know you can't really it's not much you can change at home and if you feel comfortable um yeah perfect i also would say don't jump anything that you don't feel you're right to jump if uh you just try it i would always try and make sure that you spend an extra time jumping the smaller class before you go to the bigger class just to make sure that everything's going well it doesn't it's not a race you don't need to rush yourself up the ranks of the heights so that's yeah that would be my advice for yeah anyone jumping there and especially getting back in into it don't feel that you need to go straight back into where that you where you were before maybe start a bit lower i've done with all of my horses and you know get back up to speed and the final question that we've got from our listeners. So thank you, everybody, that's written in to ask these. And it's one for Jay Rome. Do you have any tips for someone who's looking to start show jumping? Well, it's it depends in, in what sort of level. I, I, you know, about you, Sam, like, uh, what do you think? Like, if someone's is this starting, like, right from scratch? Or is it starting out for a profession? I think possibly right from scratch. That's what I would say. Okay, so f- right from scratch is um, it's a bit difficult for me. I've been very lucky in my uh, circumstances. But get down, support the local riding schools, go down there, learn learn your trade and do, yes, yeah, support them. As, especially now they're really struggling and we really need to get more people involved in show jumping. And I think riding schools do a great job and anything around you, get the get the bug for it before... You know, you then try and take the next step and and buy a horse, of which when you do buy a horse, make sure that uh, I think this is this is very vital that you do get lessons and they might, you know, you don't really want to because a little bit of expense. But Laura Kraut always put it to me that you could spend you know, 10 days, weeks, whatever to trying to crack something, whereas a professional who's done it their whole life and they've trained in it every single day, they'll be able to uh, make it better in 10 minutes. And it's obviously not always like that, but for anyone who's trying to rise up the levels, definitely training for me is the way to go. 
I totally agree. And that brings to the end almost of our episode. So thank you very much to everybody that's written in questions and, you know, make sure that you share and you like and subscribe as well, because it all helps, doesn't it? Definitely, definitely. Please rate and review. It really helps us in the rankings, which we've had been doing really well over the past few weeks. So thank you, everyone who's supported the show. Tell your friends, let people know who would be interested in the show. And yeah, we'll do another. I've really enjoyed doing this last questions part, Sam. I don't know about you, but hopefully we'll try and do that soon. I think it's been great fun. So, yes, we'll definitely do that again soon. Make sure you head over to our social media as well, the Full Course Show Jumping podcast. And we look forward to welcoming you back next week when we catch up with some more big names in the world of show jumping. Have a good week.